guys, welcome to Overcrest. I am Jake, and admittedly, we have been struggling to get down to the studio this week while we are swamped prepping for the second annual Overcrest Rally. That being said, we wanted to get something out for you guys this week, and I thought, what better than to recap and re-release last year's episode where we talked about the rally to get everyone hyped for this year. And also, we go in depth about the history of rally racing itself and how it's really not what you think it is. Rallying is really just a rally together. So it is, in effect, what we're doing on the Overcrest Rally, and that is getting people together to explore, make friends with each other, and also with the road, and to get out there and enjoy our cars and in this enthusiasm we have for automotive culture. So without further ado, here is our recap of the Overcrest first annual rally from last year and also the history of rally racing itself. Well, you did mention, of course, our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk is your premier source for detailing compounds, pads, and polishes. I used all their, that's what I used was was the Oberk stuff. The Oberk stuff. It was great. It was easy to use. It came off really easily. That's my thing. The wax needs to come off easily. Sure. Lots of great products out there, but sometimes if you go too far, a lot of them are like, oh, do a two by two section, because if you do like too much of the car, you come back and it's it doesn't come bake off. On and, yeah. It doesn't come off. This stuff was really, really easy to deal with. It went on nice. The pads worked great. I didn't go to the second step just because I don't like detailing very much. Sure. So I just did the first like rough cut on the on the podcast. And that's that's what it ended out. That's what it ended up like. Wow. And then I did a finishing sealant on it. Yeah. And I am done. Hopefully, I don't have to do too much more in terms of detailing that car anymore. It was, wow. I was really happy with it. It's the first time that I've used what they sent me. And it it is really good. I didn't want to say anything until you I hadn't used tried it. it. You hadn't tried it, but it is quite good. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with honest it. opinion. And I met actually Chris and the guys behind. They were on the Oberk. rally. They were on the rally. Awesome guys. You can feel good about supporting good, honest guys in a good, honest company. They have 15 years of experience in the industry, and the engineers over there have made, like we said, a simple, holistic system that really takes the guesswork out of paint correction. I really implore you guys to check them out at Oberk carcare.com be, f- be sure to use the code overcrest as well that'll get you 15% off any order over 35 bucks and they'll throw in one of their famous towels that you can wipe it down with there you go all right let's uh should we re- recap the rally a little bit yeah let's talk about the, the overcrest rally so i heard a great quote okay from, from one some, of the guys so out this there? is from nick who drives the he had the white 964 carrera 2 and he's from Denver. Yes. And that night, uh, the guys that are doing a film for me wanted to do a little bit of film stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll come with. I'll hang out or whatever. And sure. We can do a little bit of film work. And I was on this gravel road and drifted this 90-degree thing. I'm, I've drifted my car many, many times. Lots of clutch kicking on gravel. I'm used to it. Sure. But we – and they were filming us while we did it. Yep. And I get out of the car. He gets out of the car. He's got this big grin on his face. He's like, man, I really hope they got that. That's the most I've ever drifted my car in my life. And he was supremely sideways. Yeah. In my, he went from one side of my rear view to the other. Awesome. Around the corner. It looked so killer seeing that car do that. It was super proper, like turn the wheel, drift yep. sideways. Yep. It was awesome. Um, that was like having somebody have like a new experience on the rally was really, Absolutely. really cool. And uh, I think every, I don't know. I, I kind of was just like, here you go, guys enjoy yeah and then i saw some people over lunch so i i got some feedback but i was actually going to ask you you did everything yeah what did you think how did you how did it go for you it was awesome i think 
I, I have to start from the beginning, though. Because okay. I do have a couple stories that go yeah, along with it. Yeah, let's have it. So we met up down in Wabasha, which is about, you know, an hour or two from the cities, right? Right. And so I was up at 5 a.m. and I asked you the night before, what time do you want me down there to help organize things? And you're like, get down there at 7. And I knew I was going to be late. So yep. I was like, Chris is going to be all pissy at me for being late. So I was, I was pushing it a little bit. On the way down, 6 a.m., roads were empty. Yeah, nobody around. No one around. And, and I, these are fun roads. They're it's very fun the, roads. Even the main river road is just scenic. It's not twisty and challenging, but it's just so scenic. And it's pretty. enjoyable. It really is. So I'm pushing it on the way down, and I end up, I see ahead of me an old Long Hood 911. You know what those and really it's a pretty dark. You know what those really pretty roads are like? What? Is if you're dating a beautiful woman, okay. you don't always having to be doing the deed. Sometimes you're just <laughs> sometimes you're just sitting just at dinner admiring. and you're just you're looking at her across Enjoy. the table and you're just enjoying the way that she looks and you're just ready for what's going to come you later. You have a lot of uh female and relations analogies here today. That's because the emotion of a relationship that you have with a woman often translates to the emotions that you can have with a car. Interesting. And I think that's that kind of relationship that you build, you know, can go both ways. It's, I it's, get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, you're driving on these roads. You just, you, you must be thinking to yourself, man, this is going to be a great day. Yep. This is really oh, beautiful. I'm, I'm I can't pumped, wait excited. to just, just. My beautiful bride is next to me. Yep. Right. So I'm happy there too. And I come across the silhouette is still like kind of dusk out, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's an old air cooled long hood ahead of me. And I, it's dark. I'm like, is that Chris? Did I catch up to Chris? I I didn't really know how far away I was, and I knew you were staying close there. I was yeah, like, I, was like I think that's Chris away. right there. <laughs> and so I'm like flooring it. I get going, and I pass this guy, and I was like, oh, no, that's not him. That's a different car we saw earlier that day, that okay. green one. Okay. okay. But anyway, so I'm like flying, and he kind of pulls in next to me. He's like, oh, yeah, obviously yeah, you're going yeah, there. He's yeah. like, so we're running down, and all of a sudden I see coming over the crest of the hill, car. Oh, no, that's a cop. How fast were you going? I didn't know. <laughs> and so so when he comes, I'm, do you know how fast you were going, nope, sir? Nope, he didn't even pull one of those. So I'm like, all right, I can see him slowing brake lights. There's the lights on, turns around. So I pulled right over right away. And the guy behind me kind of pulled over as well. Or no, what did he do? So the guy catches up to us when he pulls us over. And I think he's thinking, oh, he's just going to go for Jake ahead of me. And so he does. But then as soon as he pulls me over and the guy's behind me, the guy, the cop waves him over as well. <laughs> like he's you, like, uh, no, you better pull over as well because you were right behind him. Yeah. And so he comes up. I always up, wondered what they would do if he was like, nope. And one guy left. It would have been great because he would have gone after him because he's true. running. That's true. <laughs> that <laughs> that part of me is like, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Go. No. Uh, and so he comes up my window. He goes, hey, good morning. You were doing 74. In a 55. In a 55. Yeah. I was like, ooh, okay. He's like, uh, license, registration, there you are. Thank you. Where are you guys off to today? Are you are you guys traveling together? I was like, well, sort of. We're going to the same place. Where are you off to? I said, we're, we're doing a scenic River Valley cruise, which it is. Uh, he's like, all right, well, I'll be, I'll be back. I'm like, <laughs> he's back there for a while, doing his thing. Nikki's like, why are we speeding? I was like, Chris is going to be angry with me. Oh, don't blame it uh, on me. It was me. all you. It was all no. you. Yep. Well, you should have just stayed down there. You would have avoided this whole so thing. So I see him walking back with my license and a piece of paper. 74. I'm certainly getting a ticket. I'm yeah. just curious how much it's going to cost. Yep. It's like Roll down the window. He goes, all right, here's a warning. Here's your license. Slow it down. Wow, that's great. Whoa. He walks up to the next guy, tells him the same thing. He said something to the effect of, well, my computer isn't 
quite working right. So I'm letting you <laughs> off with a warning. <laughs> I, like I don't that. know if you had to say that for the record or if there's part truth to that. Oh, yeah, maybe. You know it, what I mean? Because it's body cam stuff. You exactly. got to kind of say. So w- I came away from that thinking, okay, well, that set the tone for the rally, first of all, because I'm not going to be an idiot asshole pushing it the whole time. Yeah. How'd that right? work out? Pretty well. Yeah. For the most part. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we get down there. The first thing I noticed was the camaraderie. Yeah. All these guys getting together, you know, everyone is there because it's their passion and it's it's unique because this is a lot of Porsche guys, but even if you don't drive a Porsche, the other thing I noticed was the variety of cars. Yeah, there was a, a huge variety but out there. They were all similar in a way. Kind of appreciating, you know, the older stuff and the quality of just driving and everything right. else. So it was the camaraderie, it was the variety I think of you roads. Had, to be a guy that wants to go out and drive, there were some newer cars there. Yes. But I think a lot of guys that are going to make the sacrifice to drive an older car are guys that want to take the time to drive it to make it worth the ownership in the first place. Exactly. That's that's well put. And the other thing was just the amazing roads. I had been down there before years ago for some little cruises and whatnot, but the roads that you picked, hats off to you, were amazing. Thank you. They really were. A bunch of work. The elevation changes is really what I either you forgot about or didn't expect it doesn't seem like you're where you are it no i was like, like why are we going up mountain roads all of a sudden in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the woods yeah. so that was really fun i did get into some gravel stuff our buddy uh and uh our resident buster. Uh, buster i was gonna say our resident on site reporter buster conrad was in my crew right behind me and i sprayed uh, him with rock chips I, from what i no, hear no no I, I so i slowed down when i saw this really twisty technical spot and I rolled my window down and I go like this, like back up, back off. And I'm, I'm really throwing it out there. Yeah. Like really my best drift as well to your, your I friend's point. And I was like, did a couple hard ones. And then I see the road just kind of fall off ahead <laughs> where yeah. I was like, okay, not going to be doing that extreme. And that's right when he started recording. Cause oh. I think he posted something and you're like, you even commented. You're like, why isn't the ass out on that turn or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I was really pushing it. So super fun. And what I loved was getting together over lunch and being able to kind of share experiences right. and everything else. And then we got to go back and do more of it. So it really, it was awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, doing it again next year. Um, everybody's like next year, next year. I'm like, yes, there will be another rally next year. I called it the first annual. So it, it better be. It is, well, the map says first annual. On oh, it. did it? Yeah. Okay. The map well, that's says where first I got annual. it from. Um, and I'm probably going to do, I might do, I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to do two days next time. That okay. way it's two days of, of hanging out and camaraderie instead of. So that's what I wanted to say is one thing I wish we had is I, I like when we got together and got to just mm-hmm. hang out and discuss during. Yeah. Right. So I would somehow maybe do a couple either, if not spots or checkpoints, just some way to get more of that. I think if we have it as a two-day thing, I think you're going to inevitably have more of that. Yeah. As you travel travel from one location to another to start different plot spots, I think right. you're going to have a little bit more of that. For sure. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> well, I did like it. So. Well, it sounded like everybody had a good time, and I and I really, really enjoyed you know everybody having that opportunity and just getting to watch everybody have a good time. It really made my day. Yeah. yeah it, it, was, was, it was awesome. So thank you for that, and be sure... To look out for next year. Okay, what have we uh, what have we got for? Um, well, speaking of rallying, we were inspired to kind of look into the history of rallying, and with the nice booklet that was produced for the rally with the yeah. pace notes, you like or that? the directions? I did like that. Glenn did that. Glenn I know. Cordell put that together. He did Hats a great off job. to him. Do you know what that notation is called? 
what notation? That type of notes? Yes. Pace notes is what I've always just heard it that called. That is a, spect- a particular type that we'll get to. Right. There are multiple types and there multiple are. ways that it's there almost are. like dialects. Exactly. Based on where you are, what it's called and how it's read and all the numbers and everything else. Yeah. So uh, let's start at the beginning. Okay. In 19... Nope, that's wrong. <laughs> in 1984? <laughs> no, it's actually 1894 okay. that I typed it backwards. Okay. Otherwise, this would have not been a long history story at all. In 1894, a Paris newspaper... <laughs> I, no, do you know what happened there, Chris? Dude, I, I switched into my, my accent too soon. <laughs> papier. It's a papier. A Parisian newspaper. La Petite tell me, tell me Chanel. This, tell me about this newspaper. <laughs> newspaper. La Petite Chanel. They sponsored a contest. The Concours du Petit Journal Les Vertuas Saint Vacher, as it was known, was, in effect, the world's first motor race. And We've kind of touched on the very beginning of motor racing in the past, so I don't go into depth too much, but this was a pioneering city-to-city competition run from Paris to Rouen, which was a distance of 78 miles. The race was preceded by four days of vehicle exhibition and qualifying races that drew, quote, great crowds and excitement. And so, at 8 a.m. on Sunday, the 22nd of July... 21 qualifiers started out from Port Malion. The race paused for lunch from 12 until 1.30 when they set off for the finish line at the Champ de Mars at Rune. Now, I'd like to imagine that lunch was served out at some countryside old with farmstead some cheese, a little bit of with wine. pizza. Pizza? I'm making a reference oh. <laughs> to our rally. You didn't quite get that. Yeah, we didn't have enough wine and cheese to make it quite no, that. No, although my wife did have an entire bottle that she shared with my buddy Chris. Oh, you could get wine? Oh, that's right. You could get wine and beer. Yeah, so there was indeed. Uh, Regardless, at the end of this rally, or I'm sorry, race, we're not calling it that yet. That term has not been invented, as we'll find. The Count Dion was the first to arrive in Rouen after six hours and 48 minutes at an average speed of 12 miles per hour. Oh, geez. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah, that would take a while. However, prizes weren't awarded to the fastest cars. Instead, they were decided by a jury based on the reports of the observers who rode along in each car. The official winner was Albert Lamatai driving a three-horsepower Peugeot. Although the Comte Dion had finished first, his vehicle was steam-powered, which was illegible. For the official competition. So you couldn't have a steam car. You had to have I a I think they let you run the steam car, but they're like, you're not going to win it. Because I, I didn't go into detail, but they said because you needed someone tending the fire, it wasn't considered like a, a car. Okay. Well, I don't all right. Know. Regardless, this first event directly led to a numerous city-to-city road races in France and all over greater Europe. These races all had a few hallmark features. Namely, individual start times with cars running against the clock rather than head-to-head. They had road books and routes. And driving over long distances on ordinary, mainly gravel roads facing hazards such as dust, traffic, pedestrians, and the occasional farm animal. However, this racing style didn't receive its now infamous moniker until 1911, when it was used to describe the Rallye Automobile di Monte Carlo. Ah, that's the one you know of. Established at the behest of Albert I, Prince of Monaco. 
The Monte Carlo Rally, as we know it today, takes place every year along the French Riviera in the Principality of Monaco and southeast France. However, during its first years of competition, competitors would actually set off from all four corners of Europe and rally or meet in Monaco to celebrate the end of this unique event. Well, this rally, is where the term originates. Well, rally in, in its core is is like if you are defeated as like a military tr- like thing or whatever, you rally to the you rally to the cause or you rally to the, you can either you rally people, or it's all about getting people together to go do something. You're getting together because right. what is a political rally? Exactly, that is just like a group, a meeting, a right? bunch of jerks getting together, yeah. to well, yell at each other. Which side <laughs> you believe in? Yeah. No, but a rally is a meet. So the Monte Carlo rally originally was people would just come from all over Europe and rally together and that's where the term came from and so as i alluded to earlier in the episode that is an accurate statement for what we did at overcrest that is true we rallied together i had somebody uh was asking me what oh you had a rally was it a tsd rally or (laughs) i'm like no it was just this i don't know does does it need to have time speed distance to be a real rally blah blah no so it's good to hear that yes exactly so before i move forward let's take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrolbox. Petrolbox is a monthly subscription service specifically made for the automotive enthusiasts. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, and a whole bunch of other goodies and send them right there to your doorstep. There are actually two levels of subscription to choose from. The Petrolbox Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrolbox Premium gives you even more of this gear for $39.95 a month. Be sure to check these guys out at mypetrolbox.com. Be sure to use the code OVERCREST as well at checkout to get $6 off your first month's order. Chris and I have both received them. It's really cool. Yeah, they're fun. They'd be a good gift with Christmas coming up, too. It really would. I'm sure we're probably going to have like some OVERCREST Christmas coupon code at some point coming up. I'm sure we will. Yeah. All right, so now that we know where rallying began, let's take a look at what it's really comprised of today. Okay. So essentially, rally racing involves driving cars from point A to point B along regular roads that have generally been closed off to the public. That's how pro-rallying works, at least. Now, we can categorize the types of rally racing into three or four main types, depending on your count, how you count them. Vintage rallies which are sort of an homage to the historic rally racing and the older cars that participated. These are kind of the ones that you've always mentioned you really like. Right. Because it really gets back to these are the guys, and usually they're wearing like the leather helmets and the the goggles. goggles. Because they don't want to get hit in the face with a rock. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Let's see. And you also make the point that we've seen kind of a resurgence of these. I don't know if it's people, you know, trying to hearken back to that. You know, it, it has been happening a lot all, all over the country. There's a lot of this type of stuff going on. I think it just goes down to people for a long time over the last 15 years have spent a lot of time in parking lots. <laughs> and I think they're starting to discover with with how everything is moving towards this digital world and everything like that, that the more tangible things, whether it's record players, cars, whatever, are becoming more relevant. And they want to use something and sure. feel something and touch something that's not a screen. Sure. So I think that's where this really that starts. It's starting to come into play. Yeah. The second type you have are endurance rallies. This is, think like Paris-Dakar rally, where you're traversing huge distances. And I also wanted to mention non-competitive rallies, which are basically, you know, kind of the cruises like we had at Overcrest. Right. Lastly, 
there are the short stage rallies. These are the ones you most likely picture with Subarus flying through the air, ripping down gravel trails through the woods. This is the one that we love. That's the, these are the guys with the balls. For sure. Right. Now, Chris, have you ever been to one of these professional rally races? I have not. Okay. Have I you? Yes. I went to the Ojibwe Forest Rally years ago with a few buddies. It's part of the Rally America series. At least that's what it was called at the time. Is that, nor- is that up north still- in Minnesota? Yes. Okay. Yep. Ojibwe Forest is northern Minnesota. And I actually <laughs> I met and hung out with Travis Pastrana <laughs> while he was racing for Subaru, you know, the, the number 199 car. Which, that, that I don't know, but I do know Travis Pastrana did drive, yeah. Yep, exactly. So what really sticks out in my memory from this, though, is the sound of open exhausts echoing off the trees as a car comes hurtling into a gravel corner. You're sitting there. They have little, like, uh, you know the police tape? It's not police tape, but it's like little caution tape yeah. rung from tree to tree. And they're like, all right, we don't care how close you get. Just don't pass this line yeah, for your It's not like safety. a group B back in the day where everybody's reaching no. out to touch the right. Audi Quattro as it drives by. But at the same time, it is ridiculous access that you can get for this. Right. And when in between stages, you can go right up. You can talk to the teams. I had a couple of guys being like, oh, yeah, I have a seat in it. Take a look. And I like That's where I shook Travis Pastrana's hand and hung yeah. out with him for a while. So it's very cool. But I recall it didn't take me long to realize that while you you want to get as close of a view as possible to these things. They pelt you with gravel as they drift around these corners. I know that a couple Which of photographers have awesome. Have bro- <laughs> I know a lot of broken lenses and cracked lenses for sure to do to this. Or but yeah, we absolutely need to go. I know our friend who's also been on the uh, on the show earlier, Peter Lipinski. He does, does a lot, lot of that. He does a lot of photography for those guys. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, we should go. We do, should run up also, with him next year for that. I was going to say we should go do Pikes Peak, but that's kind of all asphalt it's now. It's all it's paved. Not which, quite the same. I mean, it might still be cool to go see, but yeah, first let's go up north. So I would like to go see some rallying that's out in the desert in Utah yeah. or Because just in terms of, you know, I'm sure the forest stuff is really cool, but you can only see for a second. Right. But if you were, but, out, but if you were out in the desert, you could see for miles as they come. Just true. It'd be great. It was cool at this Rally America event, though, because they had all different, basically, classes and levels. Like, there's some guy in an old Fox Body Mustang that he, like, lifted up and put, you know, studded tires on and whatnot. And yeah, they just can't. having fun. You know man. who has courage? Courage is the co-driver that gets in with that guy. Yeah, no and kidding. Like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so regardless, these short stage rallies are the format that brought us the likes of Group B and the World Rally Championship. And we've talked about the craziest that was Group B racing in the past episode, and we could talk at length for that. So I'm I'm really wanted to delve into a different, perhaps more mysterious yet iconic facet of rallying. And then we can maybe talk a little bit about the name of our podcast. Maybe. Three, two, one, go. Five left first, opens 20. Flat six right first of a crest, opens 150. Flying into five left minus half long of a crest, tightens early minus of a crest, opens 40. So unlike other motorsports, rally racing includes a co-driver. Right. Whose job it is to read aloud navigation pace notes. My wife looks cannot read while she's driving. She gets sick. I can imagine this would just basically turn her inside out. Well, there are a lot of accounts as I'm doing this research of people just getting sick. And it's in the middle of a stage. You get sick and you just keep reading. Yeah, you throw up and then you keep. You have to. Yes. 
So in most races, drivers have not seen the course before even running it. As such, pace notes are an invaluable way to know what is coming ahead. Sort of the who I know you can walk the circuit, right? So how do these guys get the pace notes? How do they yeah. know what's going on? Well, there's there's several different ways that notes are created. In some cases, the teams are allowed to run the stage before race day during reconnaissance runs, known in the biz as a Reese. It's a recon, Reese. Okay. These runs are to be driven basically at the speed limit, where the driver dictates a set of notes to the navigator. So he's saying, basically, here's where we're going around a corner, please write this down, and then they do a second pass of the Reese, and the navigator reads the shorthand pace notes back to the driver, checking them for accuracy and making slight adjustments as needed. But this isn't at speed that they're doing this. No, that's where they're doing it basically at the speed limit, yep. the recon. Another method of notation is the tulip notes. Okay, I've not heard of that so, before. So the name of this type of navigation comes from the tulip rally, which was first used in the 1950s. Tulip, or ball and arrow instructions, are simple diagrams of the route junctions with the ball indicating where you are coming from and the arrow indicating the direction of travel. Tulips may be oriented as they are on the map in that direction or turned around so that the ball is always at the bottom or any combination thereof. Does this sound familiar? It sounds just like the, the rally notes. So that, that's that why that I was getting at. So yeah, this is actually how our booklet was on the Overcrest and rally. What I, what I had Glenn do, and I think we kind of collaborated on this, was I'm like, hey, I would like the little box with the arrow. I don't want it to just be like, go left. I'm right. like, I would like it to look like the turn that you're going to be making. Like, so whether it's did you know these or, were a thing? Uh, yes, okay. I, I do know of yeah, these. So they're called tulip notes. Okay, I And just your didn't variation didn't have the ball at the bottom that shows where you're coming from, yep. but they're all oriented so that they were pointing upward. And I really thought they were helpful. So that's tulip notes. More recently, however, rally pace notes are generated by the Jemba Inertia Notes System. The Jemba System is a computer software program that is connected to an odometer and a series of accelerometers inside a car. So the odometer is used to calculate precise distances between instructions, while the accelerometers detect, accelerometers detect turns, bumps, hills, in order to give consistent grading of corners and crests in the notes. The data is then compiled and printed out for each competitor. This system serves to level the playing field, creating consistent, identical notes for each and every team. I don't want consistent notes for every <laughs> single team. I want freaking Hans to be going through there and thinking what he thinks is best. I think that the co-driver being an integral part of rallying is why it's so cool. I don't want to be done by a computer. Well, ah, no. This is just to make the notes. You still have your co-driver reading the notes that were printed by the computer. I don't like it because the co-driver is an integral part of creating the notes. He's the one writing. Have you ever seen their notebooks? Oh, yeah. Like pictures? It's, it's nuts. It's, it's wild. It's, it's like the most scribbly. It looks yes. like... Have you ever tried to write while you're driving? <laughs> yes, it's like that? also terrible. I remember <laughs> when I was with Lee Keen in one of his safaris. That's right, because you were trying to take notes to write this article. I, you should see. I'll show you sometime of me trying. It's trying to read what I wrote while I was drifting around on gravel roads, basically rallying, yes. and you cannot read anything. I bet you cannot, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I kind of like this idea, though, Chris, because it's a whole other challenge then. The driver's never seen the course in this instance. Neither of them have. So why, don't, addition, we just have, why don't we just have the co-driver go out there and see it? And then we can have the driver drive it with the co-driver. I don't like the computer. Well, but. in addition, it does save time and resources that otherwise would be used if the teams had to do the recon themselves. Boo. I know. Currently, the Gemba system is used most heavily in the Rally America National Championship, the one that I was just talking about. So they basically send a guy out in whatever car. 
Yep, with the computer they, system. And then they give the rally notes And they just out. print them out to everyone. Does anybody audit this to make sure it's right? <laughs> I'm serious. No, but, I, mean, I don't know. I didn't read that much about it. Well, what if this is? What if it's wrong? What if you accidentally hit a rock and there's a bump there that nobody else is going to hit? And it's like, uh, nine left, don't cut. But then, or nine left, cut. And then they do cut. And then there's a rock. And then everybody's going off the road. I just, I don't know. Human element's important. You're right. Uh, currently, though, the Jemba system, I just said that, used in Rally America Championship, also used in Canada, Sweden, Norway, New Zealand, Great Britain, and South America for all their national championships. So this is what is the it's standard, the standard now. It is. Okay. Yeah, the Jemba system is also very precise, and nearly every feature is noted. So most teams will go through the notes and either cross out a bunch of irrelevant information or modify the notes to make them simpler for the driver to follow at speed. Right. So... What exactly do these notes mean? Pace notes are basically shorthand language made up of a few different components. So let's go through them. All right. This is like the alphabet of rally racing. Now, if I were to say left or right, it would obviously mean that there's either a left or right corner ahead. Okay. So that's component one. Each corner command is then appended by a number that refers to the severity of said corner. Now, the numbers range from one through six, which generally correspond to the gear a driver should be in to take that corner. One referring to a slower first gear hairpin, and six would refer to a flat out six gear sweeper. I've heard of like one through nine, too. This is the main things I've heard of. Okay, so there are weird things where I've there's been that one, might be like you said a different yeah. So there's variation. been like one through nine, nine being uh, very easy and one being very hard. But I've also seen uh, one being very easy and nine being very the inverse hard. of that. And it's, it's, so I think that, like I said earlier, I think it wherever you're from and and if you're in Sweden or Norway, it's probably different than it was here. Imagine trying to come up with the same system in different countries in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. It's not everybody was just comparing notes all the so time. So as we talked about the Jemba kind of being the new standard, this is Jemba that I'm describing. Okay, okay. So I imagine this is kind of This is the modern. Exactly. Okay. So in addition to those numbers, there are plus and minus modifiers that adjust the severity slightly. For instance, a two plus would be a slightly faster than a standard second gear turn, but not quite a third gear turn. In addition, a navigator may include additional information with a turn, such as opens or tightens that would describe the behavior of the corner. Another common corner descriptor may be OC or off camber, which, of course, describes a corner that is banked in the opposite direction of the turn. So let's or you put, have, like, don't cut, too, because exactly. there's a big boulder right exactly. in the middle of the corner. Yep. So a lot of the guys will dip a tire right on the inside the of the corner. You want to do that if there's a big rock right there. Probably so. not. There goes your tire. Uh, so let's put that part together. You could have a single corner described as left three minus opens OC. Right. And that'd be one corner. Right. Okay. Then you have the numbers from 40 through 200 that would represent the distance in yards between instructions. So anything less than 40 yards is simply notated by an and, which makes sense when you're flying along at speed. Anything less than 40 yards seems like the turns are simply back to back. However, and is not to be confused with into which represents a distance so short that it requires the driver transition directly from one action to another. So you could have a left three plus into right four minus. So that's like right there. You're right transferring there. the weight of the car exactly. to the next quarter. Immediately. You're trying, you do that so you can set up in the corner for the next yep, one. You can link them. So next, what we, what I have, I, I presume is all of our favorite descriptor, the crest. 
Yes. Now, a crest is defined as either something you can't see over or a feature that will unsettle the car. In addition to a crest, there is also the jump notation, which will make the car actually leave the ground. That's my favorite. <laughs> yes. With those previous two descriptions, when you're going over something, you may need to take action, which is when the over notation comes in. So you could say right for over crest. Right. Which is where the name of the podcast comes from. That's exactly right. And when I named the podcast, I kind of was trying to put myself in position of as being the co-driver for all of our listeners, basically taking them through the automotive world. That was where I came up with the name for that for the podcast. I like that was a lot. bringing all of you with me as the driver over crest. I like it yeah. a lot. Another, I don't know if we've never we've talked? never described that. Yeah, never talked about that. I really like that. All right, uh, moving right along. Another descriptor is slippy, which is shorthand <laughs> for slippery, which would of course refer to any surface that lacks you want traction. The least amount of syllables possible. Yeah, slippy. Yeah. Right for overcrest slippy. Overcrest slippy. <laughs> I just like that. Uh, on the other end of that notation is grip, which is a call out to a surface that has greater than normal grip, which, of course, may affect the driver input. You know, uh, if the navigator says care, that means an especially difficult section of the stage is approaching ahead. Eyes up. Yeah. Right for overcrest care. Right. Then you have the cautions. Caution mean there's a higher than normal probability there will be a crash. A double caution means there's a higher than normal probability there will be a crash and that crashing will total your car. A triple caution <laughs> means there's a Whoa. higher than normal probability there will be a crash that will kill you. Oh my God. So w w yes. <laughs> okay. So how do we know what it, what's considered a triple caution? So, so like, okay, if you're like uh, right like four plus over crest triple caution, I, I don't know. Don't go slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you are going to You die. are going to die. <laughs> so once you put all of that together, you get something like this. Crest 70. Stay right over drop. And stay right over jump into right 50. Left 70. <laughs> I'm watching the video, and what you can't see is the G-forces. This guy's fighting as he's talking. Trying to read the with book. With his yeah. notebook. Yeah, all you have to do is type in, like, rally racing videos, and you'll just be mesmerized for yeah, hours. Yeah, get hours. These guys are nuts. And left four over crest. Left four over crest. And over jump. <laughs> that was a jump. So these guys are basically badass. They are. So even if the navigator has perfect notes, there's a whole other component that can either make or break a race or worst case, a crash. Right. Timing. All right. So how far in advance do you want the notes read to you? How many corners ahead do you want to read at one time? Drivers make little mistakes all the time, but if one little mistake is made by the navigator, it literally could kill you. It's, a, it's I would almost vomit just from that. Bill Caswell, so a I've driver. Got, I've got the clip for triple caution. 
Okay, what does triple caution triple caution sound like? We are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> that is triple caution for sure. We are going to die. You know what that's from? Is it Indiana Jones or Indiana something? Indiana Jones, where he's in the thing and the, the, the walls are coming in. He's like, we are going to die. And he's got his arm through the spider thing. And I'm just imagining the car being in that spot where Indiana Jones oh, is. Man. Oh, man. Triple caution. <laughs> yeah, so it's intense. And I do have one little anecdote. Bill Caswell, as a driver, launched his Pikes Peak BMW into the side of the mountain when his co-driver accidentally turned two pages at once in the notebook. Oh, no. So it, it's you don't realize what goes into this. It's like there's so much pressure. It, it really is, as you mentioned, like the driver, of course, you have to be skilled. Mm -hmm. But it really relies on the navigator. There is so no much. You cannot mess up. You just can't. Not at all. And so they've recently, the WRC has introduced a new kind of stage of rallying where you can do solo rallying and you have pace notes just written out but no navigator reading it to you. And consistently, they are 20% slower in every single stage. Really? So that just goes to show how much value that navigator is adding. And I can tell you my navigator did quite well during the Overcrest rallies. She so, did a good job. Yeah, she did a very There's good a couple job. of people who are like, yeah, my, my navigator is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine how long real pace notes would be for the rally, which was like 300 miles? Oh, my gosh. Oh, it would be intense. Every single turn. You know, every time I'm out there and I'm doing something out there, I'm like, what would it be like to really create a rally out here and like use really like an actual rally? Yeah. Like some of these roads could be used. Like oh, ta yeah. there's tarmac stage, gravel stage. What would it take to get a sanctioned event out here? We what should would probably talk to the Rally America guys and see if we can somehow. Man, that would be incredible. Piggyback. Like, wonder if Wabasha would, like, you know, some of the, or Alma or something. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of Airbnbs. Can we get this many people here? <laughs> you know, the, you've got uh, Lake City and you've got Wabasha with hotels. Yeah, it'd be very cool. It'd be very cool. So that's a little bit of a very short synopsis of the history of rally racing and my favorite part. The Rally Pace Notes. I love it. Uh, so now you guys know the origin of the name of the podcast, too, which I realize now we never did talk never about. So I'm glad you guys got that. <laughs> um, check out Monday's episode. We are going to take you into the third dimension of travel, <laughs> which is really, really going to be a good time. Uh, yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, some great listener questions. At listener the end of that questions. Episode. We also have our on-location reporter, Buster Conrad. Yeah, so check that stuff out. We will see you guys on Monday. Take care.